Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Today, our guest is Court Bowman from Cleveland Consulting. Welcome. Thanks for having me on the show, Matt. I appreciate the chance to get together and chat about FileMaker as always. It's always great to talk with you. We always get fun stuff going on. So let's see. We've got two topics today. One is you've got a new version of CC Pivot, which is exciting. We do, and I'm pretty excited about it. We uh, we took what was good with CC Pivot 1, the original version, and we improved it, rewrote it for 12, and then we added a few features that I think people will get a kick out of and enjoy. Awesome. And then the second topic is going to be MVC, which stands for More Value Channel. Is that what it is? It's like QVC. It's, TV. it's like QVC, but with databases. No, it's a model view controller. It's a method that people can take to approach their development. And uh, I think it's got some real legs in the FileMaker community. And I think it's maybe not perceived quite in the right quite in quite the right light, but we can talk about it a little bit today, and then also I'll be speaking about that at the Developers Conference this year, so hopefully we can ramp up people's awareness. The Developers Conference, which one? Pause on Air? The or? FileMaker, no, no, not <laughs> Pause on Air. Um, the FileMaker Developers Conference, like the Ohio State University, you know, it's, right. it's, it, it gets, it's the one that gets the V in front of it, although I think there's plenty of good conferences going on out there. Well, there's just the two that I know. Well, Puzzle and Air, I guess, is a several. There's one in, going to be one in Berlin, I think, in June. There's one in Berlin. There's one in France, which I hope to get out to one of these years. Yeah. And I think they do one in Japan as well now, too. And there's so. a Quebec one that happened last year, I think. Was there? I didn't get to that one. That's yeah. great. So, That's so not I that guess far the, from you. No, it's not. No, we're, we're in Ohio, and so Quebec's not, not too, too far at jaunt. Yeah. Yeah. It gives, gives me a chance to practice Michigan. my French. Are you, were you, weren't you originally from Michigan? No, making no, that up, no. John I? was. John, yeah. who used to work with us, who is now a demigod, I think, in his own right in the FileMaker community. And what's funny is you, you guys have a similar accent. You sound quite a bit similar. Yeah, it's that Midwest accent. Yep. It's subtle. So, yeah. I like it. So I am a huge fan of CC Pivot. I bought the first version. I've deployed it, I think, five times. Um... And I tell you, every time I deploy it, I the client and I look at each other, or actually I look at like other developers, and I just think to myself how this was not even possible before. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way you could get that kind of report with any amount of effort um, in FileMaker. Yeah, it's really one of those things that I think is... It's subtle how complicated it is to build, because it's one of those things that when, like you said, when you talk to clients about it, oftentimes they're in some ways, unimpressed, because it's one of those things that people just kind of think should be easy to do. Yeah, you're right. Well, they just sort of figure it's already there. It's like, wait, you make is a database, and it builds reports really easily, and it can't make pivot tables? We should maybe stop. It's kind of hard to explain if, you, if you're not a pivot table junkie, sort of. Um, I have a hard time explaining it. You probably are better. How, how would you just give it a, yeah. a quick one-minute description? Sure, so I should be better at it. I'm not sure if I'm that much better at it because it's kind of a complicated concept in some ways if you're not used to using pivot tables. But basically, FileMaker summarizes data in a list view really, really well. So if you've got a bunch of records and you want to summarize a field at the bottom of a list, FileMaker does that amazingly well. Subsummaries, grand totals, all that sort of stuff. But if you want to take the intersection of data from one field in a table and another field in a table and summarize off that dynamically in what some people refer to as a cross-tab, that becomes very difficult because FileMaker doesn't scroll out left or right very well. So two axes of reports for FileMaker is really pretty complicated. If you think about taking a table and summarizing at the bottom with a table view in FileMaker, that's pretty easy in list to do. But if you also wanted to summarize to the right, that would be really complicated. And, um, and so what pivot tables do is they take any two, the intersection of any two fields in a table of data and summarize on that. So if you have invoices and you want to total them by state and by salesperson, or total them by state, sub-summarize by salesperson and product type, that's the kind of thing that's it's yeah. pretty hard to do in FileMaker right now. And uh, yeah. we hope with, with CC Pivot makes it incredibly easy to do. Well, it has for me so far. So what's new in two? So in, in CC Pivot 2, we've done a couple things, um, mostly based off of users' requests. The first is, since, we're using, since we were using SQL to go get the data from FileMaker, because doing it in finds made integration really complicated, you'd have to give us way too much information about your solution. We wanted to make the integration really easy. We're using SQL to go get that data, SQL queries, and FileMaker 12 made that 
much simpler to do. So we're using FileMaker 12's built-in SQL to go get that data, which means it's a little bit faster. But the downside to doing SQL is that everything kind of sorts by alpha. SQL isn't really aware of the data types when we go get to, go to get it. So we added some much more dynamic sorting, kind of the way FileMaker offers sorting. So you can put in value lists and sort them by a value list in our system, just like you can in FileMaker. So if you want to sort salesmen by something other than alpha, you can do that. Dates now sort properly, so you don't have to sort, you know, April 1st if you're listing months, things like that. Hmm. Um, and what's also nice about that is once we've done that, we can summarize date data much more intelligently. In the first version of CC Pivot, we kind of took the simplest approach possible to get the, get the tool out there and see what people wanted. But what that means is if you wanted to, if you wanted to summarize date data by anything other than day, you had to make a calculation field. So if you had a date field and you wanted to summarize by month, you had to make a month calc field to do mm -hmm. that. We can now summarize by month, by week, by year automatically just by giving us the date field. So that means with one nice. date field in your data, you can summarize by year, month, and week without adding any other fields. You can just drag that, drag that same field into the pivot three times, change the label, change the sort, and uh, it just kind of works. And so that's, that's the first feature we added. Once we had that feature, we thought, well, one of the biggest issues when you're reporting is oftentimes what you want to report on is data that isn't there. So if you if you were totaling a sales, if you had a pivot table for a salesman's um, sales for summarized by month, and you didn't have any sales for let's say November, in a normal FileMaker find and report, you just wouldn't have records for November, so November wouldn't have a total, and you'd have to kind of notice that it jumped, you know, yeah, January, February, I've October, many different nothing, December. To, to, to solve that zero sum Right, problem, that zero whatever. sum, exactly. Report on empty is really a complicated mm -hmm. thing to it do. Is. Well, now what we've done is we've added the ability to add required data. So you can say, this is my list of salespeople. I want a column for every one of these people, even if there's no data. And so we'll give you a column for each of those people, even if there's no data. Same thing for dates. We can do that automatically. You can say, give me all the days of the week. Give me all the months. And uh, we'll give you a column, even if no data exists. And what that means is now that you can report on those zero sums really, really easily. And we're pretty proud of that. That took a, a bit of work in the, in the sequel to do, but, but it works really well now. Cool. I'll tell you my favorite feature about the first version. It's, is that to implement it, it's non-destructive. I don't have to make a single change in my database except to allow access by CC Pivot. I don't have right. to do any, I don't have to create any fields, I don't have to touch it at all because the whole thing is implemented by making a copy of the CC Pivot file that you provide, one single database file, post it on the FileMaker server, <clears throat> make a connection from that file to my data, and then I just add in in there a, a little tiny graph of all the things that I want to report against. And then in that local CC pivot file, I uh, have everything I need. And then, and then for my clients, they can only report and maintain and build new reports on the ones they have. And all the reports that they want to create are actually just records in a table in the CC pivot file. They're not. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really, really beautiful uh, Thanks. way to do it. And we kind of preserved that in this new version. We we added one feature that made that a little more complicated for us, but it, when we do development, particularly for products, we take the approach that, you know, harder on the developer isn't really an uh, issue. We should make it as easy as possible to roll out, and so we, we've continued that. The the other One of the other features that we've added is in Pivot Tables and CC Pivot 1, there was always that intersection of data. So if you have companies and products and salespeople and invoices, and you say, well, for July, for this product, for this salesperson in Ohio, I had $20,000 in sales. That's a great number to know, but people kept asking us, can I see what records make up that $20,000 in sales? And uh, since we were getting the data in SQL, and since we down. display it in a web mm -hmm. data viewer, being able to click on that was really complicated to yes, do. absolutely. Um, and we've added that in CC Pivot too. So now there's record tracking. So now you can click in the cell, and it will pull up a list of your records um, that make up that data. What that means is a couple things. We need to know uh, a unique identifier, your serial field or something like that. We need to have a layout to, to show you that data on, uh, mm -hmm. an actual FileMaker layout, because we want to take you to the actual records. 
And we went back and forth on the best way to do this. We thought about having you add some stuff to your file, but what you said is really true. We didn't want to invade your file. We wanted to keep CC Pivot a standalone utility. Uh-huh. And so since it's unlocked, what we're doing is we're just asking you to put a, a layout based on a table occurrence that, that, that those records are, are from. And then we just show you that data in a layout in our table. And so we've preserved that. Everything's in our file. The file's unlocked so you can look at everything under the hood. And so you make a layout now. You, you always had to make a table occurrence so we could find the records. Now we just ask you to make a layout as well and tell us what the idea is. And now you can click in those cells and get a found set of those records. And it works really well. It works surprisingly well. Hmm. Um, th- th- historically, that, the case has been to click in a web data viewer and show records. You kind of needed to be on server, but we, we found a, a little bit of a workaround, and, and it's working really well for us, and we're really glad to have cool. that working. I'm looking forward to playing with that. I haven't, I, I haven't yet played with two, so I went, I'm super excited. Now I hear all these great features that I've been wanting, and I get to play with them. Hopefully yeah. later today. Yeah, I, and, and the nice thing is with it being unlocked, you know, we encourage people to get in under the hood, pull it apart, take a look at how we did stuff, and and you can change it to your own uses as well. You know, um, what are the features? So um, those are the new feet. Those are the big new features. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other things dealing with how we display data. We've really sped it up a lot with FileMaker 12 and SQL. Um, and we've changed the look and feel a little bit to make it a little more intuitive, we think, to use. Um, the pivot tables still look the same. Um, and they're still controlled by CSS, and you still have JavaScript access if you want to run behind-the-scenes work on it. Oh, yeah, I love that um, feature, too. So once you build a report, you can change the whole look of the report with just a click by applying a different a CSS theme. Right. So we, we since we're doing all the display in a web data viewer, FileMaker's got some great layout tools, as all of us that love FileMaker know. But in since we're displaying in a web data viewer, we get the option to just apply a CSS style to it. And, uh, and so we, we expose that to the background as well, let you change all that CSS if you want to. Nice. Um, apart from that, it's pretty much the same product. We didn't want to change too much. You can still export to Excel. You can still print. You can still, you know, duplicate your pivot tables. You can still um, do all the same work that you used to be able to do. Total them by different things. Like I said, we added the custom sorting, and we added some advanced options with required entries and the formatting. But apart from that, it's it's the same tool it's always been that, that people have loved. Um, the one thing that we did add that, that we think is kind of helpful, oftentimes when people are deploying this product, since we're doing all the data acquiry with SQL, and SQL isn't a isn't an environment that people in the FileMaker community are too aware of, we would run into people having problems with their pivot tables working because their data was a mismatch in type. Um, People would have date fields with non-date data in them. They would have number fields with text in them. And when you grab that stuff in SQL and run it through the plugin engine that we do to, to get that pivot table to look right, it kind of blows through all that stuff that FileMaker lets us get away with. FileMaker mm-hmm. lets us put text in number fields, and it lets us put weird data in places that sometimes uh, a more rigid database environment doesn't let, it, let us get away with. Sure. So we also have a data analyzer in there, and we have a, a little utility where you, once you've built a pivot table, if stuff isn't quite working the way you think it is, you can click to examine the data, and what we do is we go into your tables that you've put in our file, and we look through all the records, and we say, do you have text in a number field? Do you have uh, unexpected data in a date field? Do you have a field that evaluates to question mark? Wait, and all those things data can data in a date field? I thought that was yeah. one of the ones that was really rigid on. Well, it is, but if you have a date field evaluate in a calculation and you that calculation evaluates is invalid, you'll get a question mark in that field. FileMaker won't let you type tomorrow in a date field anymore. Right. They used to let us in previous versions. They did? Well, yeah, back in, I don't know what, three, two, four. I've seen systems where people have migrated data forward and you, I mean, huh. you get the clients with incredibly old systems and... And we've seen some weird data in date fields, but now it evaluates to a question mark. Yes. But in a pivot table, that, that question mark doesn't... That, that doesn't work out so well. You don't yeah, want a column sure. that's, you know, question mark. So we, we have a little data, data analyzer that will go through and examine all your data. Nothing nearly as complex as some of the great inspector tools out there for systems. We just look at the data, but mm-hmm. we look for those inconsistencies. Do you have data type mismatch in relationships? Do you have a text field pointing at a number field in a relationship? We look for some of those things to help you evaluate why your pivot table might not be looking the way it should. Cool. So is pricing the same as it was? Pricing is a little different. We've changed the licenses a little bit. Um, there's uh, the pricing is on our website, FileMaker or uh, ClevelandConsulting.com/slash/CCPivot. Um, 
what I thought we would do, since you've got a great user base out there and people who love FileMakers, we'd offer a discount to anybody who finds out about us through the podcast. So if, um, if anybody's up for that, if you want to go to our website and you type in, um, type in a discount code, if, if that works for you, Matt, we could sure. give out a discount for the product. Make one up right now and we'll put it on the air. <laughs> All right. So, um, How about FM Talk? That's what FM I would suggest. Talk. FM Talk. If you type FM Talk in on our website, when you go to check out, we'll give you 10% off any of the licenses up to the site license if you want to. And uh, Yeah, the way that I like to buy products like this is I get the single-user version and sort of play with it. And then, when I, and then I sort of show it to the client and convince them what a great thing it is. And then get them to buy the site license or whatever license makes sense for what they're trying to do. Yeah, and we have a lot of people do that. And what we've always done as a company is we've we have um, given anybody who upgrades a discount from their original purchase price towards the towards the upgraded price. So if you, for example, buy the single user at ninety nine dollars, and later on you want to go upgrade to a site license, we'll give you ninety nine dollars off the price of the site license because that just seems fair to us. We know people want to evaluate it. Yep, that's a good plan. So FM Talk, I just put it on our store. It's valid right now through, I made it valid through the end of March. Anybody puts FM Talk in on our website for purchasing CC Pivot 2 and you get 10% off. Awesome, thanks. So um, the other thing that we were going to talk about is um, MVC. And it, it makes a nice transition into talking about from, from CC Pivot and MVC because we did build CC Pivot as an unlock tool completely with an MVC model. So if after hearing Matt and I talk about MVC for a while, you want to go find out at least what we think of an MVC model and how it should look in FileMaker, go grab the single user and pull it apart and yeah. play around with it. Um, was the first version written in MVC? First version was written in uh, kind of our first draft of what we thought MVC might start to look like, but mm -hmm. it wasn't nearly as rigid an MVC model as we, we used in this one. So let's see, you're talking about two things at DevCon, one of which is MVC, yes? Right. One of, the, one of my topics at DevCon this year is MVC, Model View Controller. What does MVC development look like, particularly in FileMaker? A little bit about what MVC is in general, mm -hmm. and a little bit about how does that apply to FileMaker. Then the other speech is on... Um, development for accessibility, trying to address the issues of what, you know, Section 508 users might need, developing for users that are blind or even with physical limitations, and what that development looks like for the FileMaker community, because that's gotten a lot better in 12 as well. Yeah, I think you've talked about that subject before, too, haven't you? I, I did. I spoke on it back in at DevCon, oh, I don't know, I think in... 2009 or 8, something like that, and then I spoke on it last year when 12 came out, because FileMaker gave us that great accessibility inspector yeah. in 12. It's, yes, definitely. So, uh, MVC, what is it? MVC, Model View Controller. The the very quick explanation is, is MVC development is taking all of the components of your solution and trying to separate them out into the model where the structure of your system is, the view, how the user interacts with that data, and the controller. That, that bit that stands between the user's experience and the data and manages all the processes. Very different ways to, to separate it out compared to what we used to think of before as, as just user interface and data. Right. This adds kind of a third component, but it, I don't think it's just that simple, is it? It's not just that simple. And I think when people first start thinking about MVC and FileMaker, they think there's this very logical relationship between MVC and FileMaker. And it's not a bad way to kind of dip your toe into MVC. A lot of people think, well, the model is the tables. I have tables and fields, and that's my model. And then I have control, which is scripts. And then I have view, which is layouts. And it, it, there seems to be this, at least intuitive, relationship between MVC and FileMaker. But what, what we've really found is that the MVC model, or the MVC uh, um, development theory, doesn't really break down that simply for FileMaker. So, for example, if you grab a copy of CC Pivot and open it up, and you look in our scripts, you go to Manage Scripts, you'll notice that we have view scripts, control scripts, and model scripts. Um, and we break all of our scripts down that way. So we have in CC Pivot, we have three, we have five folders. We have our initialization scripts, our plugin scripts, and then we have view scripts, model scripts, and controller scripts, each in their own folder. Because that's really how we've started thinking about our development from the ground up and everything we do. Hmm. Okay. 
So the same thing applies so, not uh, just for scripts, more. but like for... A, yeah, so the same thing's not just for scripts, but it's for tables, it's for fields, because we've always done this in FileMaker. We have interface-only tables, so that's part of the view. We might have tables that are just for processing. That'd be part of the control. When you break stuff down like this, this really becomes about data reusability. The real key is that the model shouldn't have to care about the interface. So if I've got stuff that's in the model, it shouldn't, it shouldn't make any difference to that model what's going on at the layout level, what's going on at the control or the view level. Mm -hmm. That's just the model. So I should be able to send data to the model without any concern about what the model and the, the view have to do with each other. I should be able to call a control from an interface. So I, I'm on a layout, I'm on a view. Mm -hmm. I call a control. That control should be able to send data to the model. And all of that stuff should be very isolated from each other in a hard-coded perspective. We try and do very little stuff with set field by field name because that becomes very rigid. And, yeah, so in you know, other words, the traditional set field command? Right. You don't really use? Right. We use set field by field name. We'll mm -hmm. go to, you know... We don't use that traditional set field because that's rigid. We'll, we'll try and make everything as dynamic as possible. And for us, that's about code portability. Mm -hmm. What that means is when we go to start a new system, we have huge numbers of scripts that, be, that can be copy and pasted unmodified. We have whole tables that can be copy and pasted unmodified. Mm. And that that is a huge advantage for us when we're pricing systems. Our customers end up paying less for systems, and they get this very robust, ongoing development that that has grown over now, you know, a couple years for us. Yeah. And that's, that's, I, I see where, so on the first solution that you do, there might not be a big advantage in this, but the reusability of, like when I think about it, you say you've got many, many scripts you can copy and paste and modify. I have a few, and I have a few tables that I copy and paste and modify, and I do these in all, every solution that I do, like a, a note system, a, a audit log system, and a few things like that that I use over and over. Right. So, one example, if, I, if I'm looking at our, our scripts, for example, in CC Pivot, and I'm looking at the view scripts, so we have, uh, we have a folder called script triggers, and we have script triggers as on, script triggers on, and script triggers off. We have three scripts that we can call. Those are all part of the view that determine whether or not script triggers are on for the layout we're looking at. And we can copy and paste those into every system we do. We have a window freeze, window refresh, window info. Layout info, layout get all info scripts, and those are the kind of scripts that we can paste. We can paste this entire general folder into every new system. We have all of our view environment information that we can grab, load into in, in our in most of these cases we load them into variables that we just know are always there. Mm -hmm. Would you encourage people to take apart um, CC Pivot and use these copy and paste these things you've done into their solutions? Um, I would say that. It, it would be a great way to start off to at least look at what you can do. We do a lot of stuff in a very abstracted way. And I'm not sure everybody is going to want to build their systems that abstracted. But it's certainly worth looking at some of the scripts to look at what you can do. Um, I'm not sure, for example, our error trapping is pretty complex. I would encourage anybody to take a look at it. But the error trapping is... A pretty complicated environment. Mm -hmm. um, as I think, that's why it, I, that's why I recommend just don't do it. I mean, errors <laughs> will happen. It's fine. Just it's let fine. Them don't worry about it. That, that was just a joke. set error capture on and just blow right through them. Sure. And, no. and actually, we, there's, it's it's a joke, but sometimes yeah. I think that's actually good. <laughs> yeah. That you want to, you certainly want to capture the really important errors. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of them are really innocuous and really. Uh, but yeah, what you don't want to do is you, you don't want to say set error capture on and then never look for errors and really important uh, inflection points in your code. <laughs> right. That's bad. So for us, for MDC, for example, um, and the way this fleshes out for us is if you were to open our script, uh, you know, our manage scripts window in, in CC Pivot and look in our scripts folder, we have, as I said, we have a views folder, a model folder, and a controller folder. And in each of those folders, we have an error folder for script handling. So we don't put all of our scripts for error handling in one place because errors really span all three models, or all three components. There are errors at the model, view, and control level. Errors happen in your data, they happen as users interact with it, and they happen in the processes. And so we have you know, in our system, if I were to count, I think it's about 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 
nine, nine scripts that deal with error tra trapping mm -hmm. and the display. In the view, we have some of the display stuff. In the model, we have the storage of errors. So we, that's where we have our, our stack for errors and where we clear the stack and store the stack and get the next and previous error. Mm. Then in the controller, we have the check. The check for the error is in the controller. And so even in our error handling level, we do that in an MVC model. A lot of people will take error handling and they will have a, you know, they'll have an error passing script step that they can paste into their scripts, right? So you'll have this error handling, you'll set air, you know, you're, you're set your, you know, pound error and you'll check for pound error on every script and you'll have these steps that you paste in. But what we do is we move that up into scripts that we can have in our MVC development environment that all kind of work together. And so we can paste those error handling scripts really in almost any system we build unmodified hmm. because they're called with parameters at the beginning of every place where error handling matters, which is most scripts and any place else they need to be dealt with. Hmm, cool. And I think a lot of people in the FileMaker community are really starting to get on board with the script reusability. Um, Todd Geist has given some great talks at DevCon about you know, code portability, and I think this is really all coming to a head now for people in the FileMaker development community. So what are the biggest benefits you've derived from, from using MVC in your projects? That's a great question, because I think a lot of people will dive into MVC hoping it's going to save them time. And I think it is a time saver, but it's not a time saver in the way people necessarily expect out of the gate. For example, when we build a system using MVC, we typically will spend more time to build the system initially because MVC is a complicated development environment. And I think that's what, what scares people off sometimes is because they'll dive into an MVC development process and they'll realize that they're spending more time than they would have to because FileMaker is such a rapid application development environment. It's possible to get away with some very fast development that still produces a great system. But what we found is what MVC does for us is it makes the support costs and the long-term development costs much lower. So while we might have a system that will be a, let's say, a 500-hour system that we need to get up if we're really under the gun, if we're really pressed for time, we might not hit MVC as hard because we know that it will lengthen our development cycle. But what we do get is if we have the time to develop a full-blown MVC system, what that means is our long-term development costs are much, much lower. We find that we can change things very quickly. We find that we can um, find errors and fix them in one place and, and know with absolute certainty that, that, that that this fix is not going to affect anything else in the system. Mm. And I think that's one of the real fears we have as a FileMaker developer is I can find a, a problem that a client points out to me and I can fix it, but I don't necessarily know that that fix isn't going to affect anything else. Oh, that's Particularly true. Particularly yeah. if we didn't just build the system ourselves last month. Yeah, I've, I've certainly run across that. I actually, I don't think that it's that big of a problem in FileMaker, but I've certainly seen systems that were built where if you... You go in and you see like some calculation or some field that's that's not displaying right. You go, oh well, I can clearly see that that's a calculation wrong. If I just fix that, then it will fix it in this one instance, not knowing what else in the solution relies on that component. Right, and there's some great analysis tool. You know, Inspector gives us some great ways to pull a system apart and see where all is this field used, and see you know what all scripts call this layout. But what we get with MVC is. If I've built the system, and I've built it recently, I usually have still internalized all the things that I need to know. But if another developer, if, if Kevin has built a system and I need to dive in, if we don't have a great MVC model, I really have to do some research to make sure that a change I'm making doesn't affect something else in an unexpected way. And if we've got a great MVC model in place, what that means is I can make changes with relative impunity because each bit of code is so isolated from each other. Everything tells me in the script parameters what it's expecting in. Mm -hmm. um, what about, it, does it increase or decrease the number of calculated fields? Um, it does. It, we, we find that we have far fewer calculated fields, but I think some of that, that may be a little bit of a red herring because we found that FileMaker 12 has given us some of that. As FileMaker has grown as a tool, we're building less calculated fields right. for interface. So I think that yeah. may be a bit of a red herring. Well, you almost we, need we do none for interface now. Oh yeah. Whereas the only had place, to have so I'm many before, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any place you need a calculation field for interface. That'd be a good trivia question. Um, 
I use them. I I still use them from some things. I still use a a calculated first name, last name field. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really need to be calculated. You could just make it triggered and stored. Make it triggered and stored. Um, You know, I'm trying to think. I I know button button labels are hard coded still. We can't use fields for those even. But I can't think of anything that we would need to calculate for interface. Use a plugin. Let's use a plugin. Labels can be. Well, and, and unless you use now with FileMaker's new modal layouts, you could use a layout for button for dialogs. True, yeah. And that could be on the fly. And that can be on the fly, because then you can use, you know, merge fields and some of those great things and variables and on layouts and whatnot. Well, what other physical aspects of a database change with MVC? I would imagine much more scripts, although Many I don't think the number scripts. of scripts matters at all. No, and that's one of the things that's nice. What we found is we... One of the places where the tipping point has come for us, we found, is we have many more scripts and many fewer table occurrences, um, which we feel actually gives us a performance improvement because script a script existence has no weight on a system, but um, table occurrences as your as your relationship graph gets more complicated, I think your your system performance does start to feel that at, at the far ends of the spectrum. You no, know, I don't think so. I think it's cra- I think you'd have to go crazy because I've got one solution that has an incredibly dense graph, um, and it opens on a WAN in two seconds. Wow. So I don't. I, I think there may be some other aspects to it that are really uh, hit performance. And, of course, it's not insane. It's not like, you know, 10,000 table occurrences. But No, no. It's definitely yeah, way north of 1,000. That's, well, that's, I mean, that's a big graph. We, we found that before we went into MVC that we were building some big graphs. And as we've gotten into MVC, and part of this might be because we're starting to use, and this is a little bit off of MVC proper, but we're starting to use SQL to get data using virtual lists more often for interface stuff because that lets us take the display of data out of the graph you know? Yes, definitely. And so with that, we're getting some speed improvements and we're taking a lot of table occurrences off the graph as well. If, if people who are listening haven't looked at using virtual list to display data, which is a trick that I think, Matt, you may have really been one of the champions of initially with FM search results, but it is a great tool for, for displaying data without having to create relationships and tables and yeah, things definitely. like table yeah, Using a display like thing, yeah, FM search results uses a global repeating field which is weird but right <laughs> it works and it's uh it's totally just a display widget i could i i've been playing around with using a web data viewer to display results and then you can get complete flexibility and then using that trick in filemaker where you can have an h uh, an href link that links back into the database and calls a script and sends a parameter to the script to go to a specific to navigate out of the uh, html which is pretty cool yeah, so that's interesting. That's one of the things that we're doing in um, CC Pivot. How how have you played with putting a link in a web data viewer? Do you use an href link? How do you refresh that as the data changes, and how do you refresh the the call? I, I know it's possible on a server. Have you? How are you doing that on a standalone on a on a just a single client? I don't solution? have any single client solutions. Ah, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> You'll have to solve that if you put it in FM search results. If maybe, I have a single <laughs> client, I've got a few single client um, customers, and I work pretty hard to convince them to host their solution on a hosting provider. I mean, oh, you, yeah, you can I mean, get you can get a one. Um, let's see, I think it's like twelve bucks a month, maybe. Yeah, there's some people out there that are offering single database, you know, five user. Yeah, ODI 10 technology. User. Uh, now has a single. They have a really, really beautiful way they've they've built their uh, hosting, um, where they've got the the a server. They've got servers just running FileMaker Pro, not advanced. So the cost of the software is much lower for them. So they're so running FileMaker, FileMaker Server Pro. FileMaker <clears throat> Sorry, Pro FileMaker, FileMaker, FileMaker Server, server not FileMaker yeah. Server Advanced. I think I maybe said it wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So that I you mean, don't that, get IWP, that, don't get, and they don't have any. You know, you don't get the. Uh, well, you could do PHP, but they just have. A sing, you know, plain FileMaker hosting for 12 bucks a month or so. Yeah, and that's a crazy low price. I mean, that's to be able to host your database. I, I, I'm with you. I agree that people who people who don't have server in place should really look at it. But for Pivot, we do have a lot of users that are... Like, we have a barbecue shop in uh, Chicago that we finally got on a server. But for a while, they had, you know, one woman taking catering orders in the back on her computer 
and uh, the, you know, server was just not in their budget, and they didn't want to put it on a server for one user because they just didn't want to deal with the WAN speed issues. It can be fast, but nothing's as fast as local. And so for them, you know, Pivot was a great solution for them because mm-hmm. they needed to know, for example, for their catering orders, if if they're selling brisket, they got to start their brisket three days before they deliver it because you know mm-hmm. brisket takes some time. So they need they always needed to know how many pounds of brisket do I need, you know, three days from now. We, we, we wouldn't know that out here on the West Coast. We're all vegetarians. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, that was supposed to be a laugh line there. <laughs> yeah. I've always said vegetables I'll, aren't I'll food. They're what, stupid joke. Yeah. I've always said vegetables aren't food. They're what food eat. But that's because I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you're, you're from the part of the country where the, all that barbecue stuff is in a high art, man. I, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're you're right. I mean, putting stuff on server is good, but for us, for selling the product, and you might look at this when you you know once you, once you get a new version of the fantastic FM search results out, but clicking in a web data viewer to run a script in FileMaker single user was we spent some time on that. That yeah. was a, that was a complicated trick for us to solve. Yeah, so. that is a tough one, and you're right. And there will be some single user uh, clients out there who don't have hosted, so that's going to be a. I'll just ask you how you solved it, and I'll just use whatever you did. There you go. Just just so, grab a single copy, a single user CC pivot and copy and paste. So I totally agree. I think it's really important to keep the graph smaller, and and twelve has a huge impact on that. Uh, Vince Bonanno and I have talked about he in his in his inspector actually, he um, reduced the complexity of the graph by over eighty percent when he migrated to to FileMaker twelve and and really heavily relied on Execute SQL, um, and that's. You know, using uh, using those new tools to to make the graph smaller can only be good. Oh yeah, and I think Execute SQL is one of those features that we're going to look back at and just be amazed at what we what hoops we jumped through to accomplish what we accomplish so easily now. I think when we get to you know future versions of FileMaker and we look back, I, I think back to pre FileMaker three days. For those for those people that have been doing this super long time, like mm-hmm. I, like I know you have, mm-hmm. when we used to do lookups instead of relationships to switch data between tables and, and files at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. Before and, it was even a relational. Before three. Yeah, before it was relational. Yeah, in FileMaker two, there was no relationship, so we used to have to do lookups to move data between you know different files. And it's funny, you know. I think FileMaker has been cross-platform since 1993, and I think relational maybe since what 91 or something like that. Yeah, maybe something like that. I think it was, I, it was cross-platform it was back four, in 2, maybe wasn't that, it? No, no, version 3 was actually running on Windows. And that was the re- first yeah. relational version. Was 2 not was two not cross-platform either? 2 Boy, some, might have been cross-platform, actually. Yeah. Somebody's going somebody's gonna to correct us on the podcast comments, I'm sure. That's but. fine. Anyway, it goes a really, really long time. It's just kind of funny when people go, oh, yeah, yeah, FileMaker, I know that thing. That's that Mac-only database, right? It's like, oh, yeah. actually, no, it's been cross-platform for 20 years now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think they sell. I mean, I, I hear numbers like you know the single largest selling database on the Windows platform and things like that. And so I'm sure I don't, uh, you know, I, I should know the numbers better, but I know it sells like gangbusters on both platforms. Yeah, but people still don't know what it is in, in a lot of circles. Um, you know, certainly in, in the in like state government where I spend a lot of my time. Um, yeah, people sort of have the Microsoft SQL Server blinders on. Yeah, and then yeah. they think that that's what they're going to have to apply, and they're going to have to work with the IT people and build something with that. And um, even well, that's though, it's, and, and actually, that's totally the right solution for certain projects. It's just total overkill for a lot of small projects. A lot of even not small, but large, medium projects. You know. Yeah, well, and that's an interesting point. You know, where FileMaker is appropriate, I think, is growing. You know, every version. We have a client who does. Uh, I used to say, well, FileMaker is great for a lot of stuff, but when you've got the 10 million record call center, you know, FileMaker is probably not a great choice. But we've just picked up a client recently that's got a 10 million record call center. And for one solution, he's got a table with, I think, 68 million records in it. And FileMaker is just chugging along like a gangbuster. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, I'm going to have a um, 68 million. I've yep. tested it to 1 billion, and it seems to be fine, but it's a really, really big file. Yeah, yeah, the files get big. Well, and you have for those tables, you have to make sure your your field indexing is super carefully managed, and and you're you're not, you're not putting unstored calcs in that field, or you're going to do yourself a disservice. If, yeah, if you change something, if you change indexing on a file like that, 
um, it's it takes <laughs> some some significant time, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember well, we some used to details. Tell people I've got the- this one database that I'm playing with. It's going to be my my um, one of my special effects stunt files for DevCon and for Pause on Air. Um, a large data set that I found that turns out that's public data that's actually kind of shocking and cool. Oh, that's and it's great. A, it's a 20 gigabyte database. Wow. And to index it, when I changed it, it was like 12 gigabytes unindexed or something. I can't remember the details because I worked with it over some time. But it took a couple of days to index three or four fields in the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it, You know, FileMaker used to have, well, you can still see it every once in a while in some instances. They've got that coffee cup icon that pops up when something's going to take a while. And uh, I think I think on some of these de- big databases, we need to turn that coffee cup, not 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 you have time to go get coffee, but maybe turn it into a boat. You know, you have time to go sailing or something. That's, that's funny. Yeah, it should, should kind of like have a predictive algorithm. Huge like tables. Coffee yeah. or maybe food or maybe like a night's sleep or um, like a, a little icon of Hawaii. Like, yeah, it's going to be a two-week vacation. <laughs> yeah. Well, this client with a 68 million record table, he sure. does some finds, you know, that he does on an annual basis that'll take, you know, it's five days. Yeah, and there's kind because of there's nothing you can do. I mean, you can throw no. serious hardware at it, but it just has to be started and finished. Yeah, well, we've we've gotten him actually going back to the server concept. We've gotten him on on an Amazon EC3 server that we can scale the power up, and we can get that down to a couple days if we really ramp the power up on a server, and that way it doesn't take his machine because he used to just do it locally. Oh wow! So then they're, you're using like a virtualized slice, and you're building like a gigantic virtualized machine. Building a giant virtualized machine, yeah. Wow. Biggest one we can build at Amazon. And the nice thing is, is then he can just fire it up and let it go. And he can still use his machine for something else. Well, that's awesome. How big can you get? <laughs> Pretty, I mean, it's Amazon, right? Pretty big. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's still, it's, uh, FileMaker's only going to multi-thread to so far. FileMaker only multi-thread so far, right? I mean, you can't get, you're right. And that is where, you know, it isn't Oracle, it isn't Microsoft SQL Server, at that point, you can't throw unlimited resources at it, but you right. can throw you can throw a fair amount. You can improve your lot in life a little bit, and for stuff like that, Amazon's great. And I, I know Rackspace and some other people are doing similar virtualized hosting, virtualized server, you know, provisioning. Mm-hmm. But you know, with them, with most of those, you can pay per hour, and so or per minute or however they charge wow, so cool. it's not like you're paying a ton of money you know you turn it on for a couple days and you get a bill at the end of the month from Amazon for $14 or something yeah nice I was talking to, to, to Joey at uh, ODI Technology um, about some of the technology that exists for some other database platforms that we just get to salivate about in the FileMaker world yeah. um, for example when they you can have like a what's the term they use like a whole a, a bank of virtualized uh, MySQL servers and the servers powered down when they're not in use. So you have like ten virtualized machines, and they'll actually power off down to two or three, or whatever when you're running. And then if the demand goes way up, it'll it'll actually power a machine on in the space of a couple of seconds, get the database running, and get it all connected to the same database back end, and start taking requests and handle that need. Uh, you know, on on demand. Wow. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, I'm sure I know you have, and we have clients for whom that would be a very nice feature. It's kind of extreme, but you know that's what that's EC. That's Elastic Cloud. That's what that really is. Right. It, it can it can expand and grow to to need cluster. That's what that is. So yeah. FileMaker doesn't really have a clustering capability in their server, and I really hope that that comes one day. You know, one of the things that I wonder about this, though, I know we walk this you know this dual path with FileMaker and. I will say not to be, you know, a complete fanboy, but I think FileMaker does a pretty amazing job of walking that tightrope between not forcing us to have every client have a full-time DBA and giving us some great power. Because I know with, I know, you know, I've managed SQL and Oracle servers in previous versions of my life and, and the, you know, the managing the indexes, the ongoing database administration work for those is not, is not trivial for a big installation. And for FileMaker, the database administration is pretty light. You don't have to worry too much about your indexes. You don't have to worry too much about, you know, any of that stuff. FileMaker does a lot of that work for us. And, True. And I wonder how much of that 
how much of that work they're doing for us comes at the cost of being able to have some of these, you know, clustered servers and ramp up. And I wonder, I wonder if the, you know, that balance is going to have to be maintained at some level, which is going to keep some of those tools from us. I don't yeah. know. It's. I mean, it's not costing us business not having access to a, 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 the ability to cluster servers. No. Um, no. It's keeping us out of a few situations that we that we are in, that would like to be in. And it's actually a pretty big issue for hosting companies. Yeah. For the hosting companies, <clears throat> I feel bad for them. And I know we're far afield from our original conversation, but, you know, with... You know where the biggest limitation see- for them is... Did I lose you? I, yeah, I, I lost okay. you there for a second. I was going to say we're far afield, but for, you know, with SQL, with, you know, external data source and being able to do virtual tables to SQL databases, we can really play in that field, even if we're not the only solution there, much better than we ever could before. Oh, t- totally, yeah. So kind of getting back to our conversation, what are the other things that you've seen change when you've adopted more MVC? So you, you've, you use a lot less table occurrences on the graph. Some of that's for 12. A lot more execute SQL. Um, high, uh, more scripts, which is good because, it's, because they uh, can grow to a huge number and huge complexity so much more gracefully. What other aspects? What about layout counts and, and uh, layout complexity? Our layout counts haven't changed, interestingly enough. Um, FileMaker layouts are a bit of an outlier in a lot of the, a lot of the visual development tools. And FileMaker layouts are just, you know, they've been the same as it ever was. We're actually building more layouts than we used to because of some of the great new layout tools they're giving us. We're putting more of our dialogues into modal layouts and things like that. Hmm. Um, but MVC hasn't affected our layouts too much. Um, just because FileMaker layouts aren't as dynamic as a lot of other things. Scripts can be very dynamic. You know, even, you know, with, with variables, we're putting less fields in because we're putting more variables in. You know, we're using more stuff in custom functions. But layouts are kind of same as they ever were. You know, if, if FileMaker were to give us layout parts, you know, like the like Web had at one point in time, if we could have includes for layouts and include contents from other layouts, oh. we'd probably see our layout count go up significantly. Yeah. You know, but but until that happens, you know, our layouts aren't much different. We found we find that our layouts get a little more complex. We're using a lot more hidden tabs, so in that respect, we're we're maybe paring our layout count down a little bit. Right. But I don't think yeah. any significant way. I use layouts pretty heavily. Layouts are definitely getting you know more complex, and and layouts and scripting are where all my work is lately. The the I'm, I'm in the graph. I can actually go a couple of days without going to the graph for a solution that I've been working on for a while. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. We're, we are doing a lot more work in scripts, and I think that's really the the end result of MVC. Scripting in FileMaker is so powerful and does so much that that you can do a lot of work in scripts. Yep. We're, we're and, having less yeah. calculated fields, more data stored, um, and changing that data with scripts. I don't know if that's getting more towards the SQL world, but... It kind of you know, it does feel like lives. that. It feels more yeah. like the way that databases were done traditionally, because that's the right layer to do that kind of work. And the thing I love about it is it's great in a multi-developer environment. It's great because you can version it, and scripts are much more copy and pasteable than any other aspect of FileMaker. Right. And you can also make them completely contextless, which is a huge advantage of MVC. Yeah, all yeah, of search that, results is contextless. There's no yeah, and that, there's that's not a one single thing in there that says like you know set field or you know, and that was a huge amount of effort to get it to that point. But once you're there, you've got all this, you know, the whole entire folder of of search results. You just copy and paste that whole folder of scripts into your solution, and go in and modify a few things that we want to actually use a set field. Or go to layout, you know, for the layout to yeah, your system yeah. for how you want to display. Like, what is your invoice list? Um, yeah. Which actually, yeah, that's kind of when you were talking about the um, CC Pivot 2, like how do you want to display data, That would be that's something I thought about a great deal. Like how do I display a list of data? Like when a user goes to search results and they get a list of a bunch of results and they say, oh, and I, I found you know these companies and 63 more. And if you click on that and 63 more, I really wanted to use an existing list that you already built in your solution. Right, and so all I'm really passing is I'm passing what table is that? Oh, the C invoice table, and um, how am I getting there? And so what I, I'm what I'm doing really is I'm saying, oh well, my the search that I did to get to this was this thing, and I just redo a new search 
I re-trigger that same search again in that other table to get those same exact results, which could be different results because users could have created, edited, or deleted a record in that table. So you right. could actually get 64 um, records. Um, but that was the easiest way, and then, and then you're, sh- you're showing the data in there. So you could have a, a little hook. You could probably have a little system where, where uh, the client pastes a single MVC-type script into their solution that is called by CC Pivot. And, yeah. And that way you can have some translation back and forth between the two, between Pivot and, and the customer solution. That's a great point. You know, one of the main reasons we didn't do that is because... People are starting, we have found, people are starting to use layout script triggers more and more. And oh, yeah. it just, it's really hard to test for the presence of that layout script trigger when people are setting up in their preferences. So like, like you said, you know, with, with FM search results, people will tell you, well, here's the layout that I'm using for my list. And so you're going to go to that list view when you show them their search results. But we're finding that people more and more have these list views with, you know, and exclude inactive records. And so the results would just be very different. You know, they have these script res- they have these these script triggers that, on list arrival, it only finds the records for the current logged in user. You know, so these lists are doing finds automatically. Oh yeah. With you know, on layout draw script triggers, and we figured if we had them make a new layout in our system, that none of that stuff would be there. So it was a it was a toss up for us. But FileMaker doesn't give us very good tools for in another file determining, you know. When I go to this layout, am I going to run into a script trigger? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, those kind of scripts would definitely break it. Right, because they're so, and it's really mostly you know, as we did some, we did some pretty robust beta testing. We went through a pretty long beta test phase with a, with some great beta testers, and that's one of the things we found that if we got into other people's systems, first of all, the point you brought up early, where we don't want people to have to modify their existing system too much. Um, but second, even if we did, there there were some pretty complicated layouts out there that did some stuff when you got there, and that was tough to code around. So we know we had to make people build another layout, but for us, it was the lesser of several evils. It's interesting. I find a lot of utility on using script triggers on layout load, record load for detail layouts, but I haven't really used it much for for list layouts. But those are some good examples. Like, we'll see. I, I don't like the example of just show me my stuff although on the other hand that's actually kind of does work with FileMaker security yeah because the um the, the relationship i don't know why it works this way but <clears throat> if you have a if you have a, like a portal that connects you to records that you can't see it'll show the portal lines that that, that you can't see <clears throat> right and then if you click go to related it'll show you those records that you can't see as uh, along with the ones that you can Right, but if you do a find, then it only shows you the ones you can see. Exactly. So, so I just switched so to perform things... find for everything, and right. I haven't really tested it thoroughly, but presumably uh, execute SQL also will only show you the ones you can see. Yes. Right, right. Depending on what you're doing with that execute SQL, but if you're doing that to get a found set, yeah, it'll only it'll only returns the ones that you can see. Right. So, like a lot of the portals I have now are not built by relationships that are these multi. Um, Argument relationships, uh, that's not the right term. Well, yeah. They're just based on global relationships. I'm, I've got a little script that does a find, grabs keys, sticks those keys into a global field, and that's what yeah. I use to show the relationship, which completely gets around that security issue. Yeah, and it's interesting because you and I build these complex databases that run into all these things, and users don't run into that stuff too much because we find most users aren't using interesting relationships and, and poor, most of the simple systems that we see people deploying CC Pivot into are very simple systems, often without portals. Portals are kind of a the last thing users add to layouts as they're learning FileMaker. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And they're really not good for FM Go, so... They're not good for Go, you know, Go doesn't treat portals flawlessly, I don't think. Well, I, actually, I, would, I wouldn't say that it's a Go issue. I don't think the iPad really has a good way to deal with it. It it doesn't make sense on the iPad to have two different widgets on the screen that are independently scrollable. Yes. Yeah. The whole iPad screen is what's scrollable, so list views are what's really great. Yeah, and that's, you're right. It's not really a Go issue, although I do think the buttons in the scroll bar could be a little bigger for portals when they are shown. Yeah. But you're right. They don't... Two scrollable objects in that, you know, in that 
user experience don't make a lot of sense. So speaking of Go, what aspects of, and we've um, come back around to <laughs> CC Pivot, <laughs> what aspects of Pivot work with Go? So it's a great question. Right now, um, what works with CC Pivot is all the view but none of the generate on Go. Um, because we're gathering some pretty large sets of data and doing some pretty complex calculations in it, we're doing that work in a plugin that comes with a tool that gets installed automatically. But we could not do that in native FileMaker in even a reasonable time, anything approaching a reasonable time frame. So we're using a plugin to do all the complex calculations to generate the HTML that we put in that web data viewer. What that means is that you can browse and view all the pivots you want in Go, but you can't refresh the data, um, which is something that we've talked about at great length. Um, it would be relatively easy to offload that processing to a FileMaker server um, because FileMaker servers can run the plugin that we have. So you could refresh your data on a server. If you had Go connected to a server, if you were, li you know, if you were live on FileMaker server, um, but that is not built into the product right now. That's one of the things we're trying to find a better way to solve, and we're always working on CC Pivot. Well, this but gets right kind of deep into Go it. Just a viewer. The, the plugin, the main reason that you had the plugin for the FileMaker 11 version of Pivot was because it had execute SQL. Well, that and the processing power required. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're actually doing processing like in in uh, you know a, a Java or a better environment. Right. We're using in this case we're using Java um, to to run the code in the plugin because Java will just process raw data faster. Yes. Um, and mostly that's because on client we can run many threads at once. And that's kind of a complex programming issue. But what that means is we can have many threads running on your computer to process that data at once. And we're building, you know, we have people running pivots on, you know, a few hundred thousand records and sometimes summarizing across, you know, the intersection of oh, yeah. five or six different slicers. I've run it on so huge sets. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's tough. <laughs> and if we were to do that in FileMaker, that would be very complicated. Yeah. And one of the biggest issues we would run into is where do we actually put that data as we're gathering it up? The logical place to put it in FileMaker would be a variable. But the problem is variables do actually have text length limits, um, which, we, which we ran into pretty quickly with big data sets. Um, yeah, they do? Yeah, yeah. I've used them for huge things. I'm thinking yeah. 40 megabytes, 50 megabytes maybe? Oh, Text. well, it's interesting. Um, we, we ran into the length limit pretty quickly. Now, we started spanning variables. Um, I should probably know what the text length limit is, but we were starting to span variables because we were actually losing data off the end. I thought text length limits of a variable was like 2 gigs. It, it doesn't well, scale well. When it gets really large, it really dies in performance. Yeah, um, it does die in performance. In some of our testing, we were getting larger than 2 gigs. Some of the, because we're putting HTML in it, it's not just about the data. It's about all the HTML forwarding, yeah. formatting with the CSS. So we get big fairly quickly with the display. Yeah, what's the other limit that really killed me that you couldn't do? Is it a... I'm trying to think. No. Well, script parameters have a pretty pretty narrow length limit. Oh, they do? I've never really tried to send huge ones there. Um, one of the biggest issues we had, though, was really just in the speed. Because we are totaling so many different bits of data, and with sorting, we kind of have to keep track of it in these huge arrays, it gets pretty slow pretty fast, unfortunately, for us in native FileMaker. Custom function limit length is the one that killed me. Yeah. Well, yeah, we couldn't do it in a custom function. We were actually doing it, we, when we were trying it, we were doing it in scripts, because scripts in general are one of the fastest things in FileMaker. We find scripts to be very quick. Yeah, definitely. And a lot, a, lot of loop, a lot of looping, a lot of things run extremely well in scripting, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, I mean, FileMaker will loop through. If you just have a simple script that says, do a loop, go to next, and there's nothing actually in it, it'll do, I don't know, 20,000 iterations a second. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly fast. Um, and so we did a lot of this in scripts, but we found that it was just too much faster to do it in Java to not have the plugin. Oh, yeah. If you're doing real processing like you're doing to, to slice and dice, 
uh, yeah, it, you, you definitely are going to get some really big advantages of doing it in, a, in, in Java because that Java does that incredibly fast. The yeah. things that Java does really poorly are anything relating to user interface. <laughs> right. right. Come on, that was funny, right? Well, and evidently, right now, security, but that's also oh, yeah, that's issue. true, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's just for right now. People are well, listening to this for a long from time. Now, they probably won't know what we're talking and about. And I could probably talk for hours more, but we should wrap this up get this episode posted. Yeah, it's great. I appreciate you talking to me, Matt. I love talking about FileMaker, and it's always it's always great to talk about FileMaker with people who love it as much as I do. Yeah, and I, I appreciate I, getting I'm a chance there. to talk right about there the with product. You. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Court, very much. Yep, I enjoyed talking with you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>